Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Good morning, Peavine family. How you doing? Good to see you this morning. I'm so glad to be here. And uh, for those of you watching online, those other campuses, thank you for joining us today. I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2 this morning, if you would. And I thank Joel so much for that introduction a while ago, but I do need to add one thing. Uh, You need to be praying for Joel as he's out this week. He looks so forward to being back next week, of course, and pray for him and share in their absence. But uh, if you want to know how to pray for me, here's what Joel left out in the introduction, okay? I am the father of three daughters. Now you know how to pray, don't you? That's all you need to know is I'm the father of three daughters. I love my girls. I just don't like the boys who like my girls, but I love my girls, okay? And uh, just honored. And that's relevant to what I'm going to share with you this morning as we're Wow, it's hard to believe summer goes by so fast when we especially start our school year uh, in August and our uh, students going off to colleges and our students uh, starting school just in a couple of weeks. And that's why I think the timing of this message is so uh, relevant uh, to you. And uh, uh, if you're between the ages of 11 and 21, this message is very relevant. But if you're the parent of somebody between the ages of 11 to 21. If you're the grandparent of someone between the ages of 11 to 21. If you know somebody between the ages of 11 to 21, this message is for you. So I think it has relevance. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Just this morning, ask God if he would just speak to your heart. Just say, like God, this morning, speak to my heart personally as we look into his word. Now, Joel mentioned that I'd done a project a few years ago called uh, Why They Stay, and it became a book. And it came out of an experience with one of my daughters, uh, one of my daughters was, as an adult, out of church, and that always troubled me. My three girls, uh, two were in church, and uh, one is not. Well, where did I miss it? What did I do wrong? And one thing I did learn is you can do everything right as a parent, and things can still go wrong. And I also say this, if you do everything wrong, it's not going to go right. But I try to be careful not about, about not judging parents, because as I began to dig into what was going on, there's another issue also, looking more broadly into our culture, there has been a change taking place, and, and we're losing more and more of our teens. As a matter of fact, uh, right now, the data is this, with students who grow up going to church, uh, for every three that leave uh, to go to college, uh, one is staying in church and two are leaving, and it's never been like that before uh, up to the last decade or so. We always kept more of our teens than we lost uh, post high school. So that is very troubling. Uh, There's a book called The Great Evangelical Recession where they talk about this and talk about some of the issues related to losing the next generation. So as we look in Hebrews chapter 2 in just a moment, we're going to look at uh, an, an issue for you students particularly, but this applies to everybody about what it is that keeps kids connected to church. Now, I want to say this uh, to our students who are watching or listening or in here right now, that it is not easy being young. That is a reality. As a matter of fact, it's tougher on you many ways than it was for me. And I equate it to walking across a river. And when I walked across the river from uh, high school to post high school, the river was about knee deep. And the current pushed against me and it was slippery. It was not easy to make it across. And some of my peers didn't make it, but but most of us made it across. We crossed that faith bridge, so to speak, uh, and maintained our faith into our adult lives. But that same river that I crossed when I was a teenager, that a teenager crosses today, 
It's not knee deep, it's now neck deep. And it pushes so much harder against them than it pushed against me. Now, students, that's not to say that it's an impossible because with God, all things are possible. But it is tougher on you, admittedly, uh, with the culture than it was for me, the things that push against you. And that's not to suggest to you that I had it easy. As a matter of fact, I had it, I had it tough in other ways. To give you an example of this, my parents, see, when I was growing up, tried to kill me, just so you know, okay? Your, your parents didn't try to kill you. Mine tried to kill me. You don't believe me? I'll give you one example. Seatbelts. I never wore a seatbelt when I was a child. My parents never even thought about it. I, I, I rode in the front seat. I rode in the back seat. I rode in the back window. When I was a newborn baby, my mama did not put me in a car seat. You know where I was? When I was a, a little baby, I was in the front seat with my mom not wearing a seatbelt. She was not wearing a seatbelt. She was holding me and smoking a cigarette with the windows rolled up. That's what I was doing because my mama tried to kill me when I was growing up. Another example of that is uh, we did not wear helmets when I was growing up. Never wore a helmet on a bicycle, skateboard, roller skates, none of that. And you've got to know when I was growing up, our hero was evil Knievel. So you can imagine what my parents did. They bought me a motorcycle when I was 12 and never even bought me a helmet. Why? They were trying to kill me. That's exactly what was going on. You know, today the parents, you know, we're very protective. We're called helicopter parents. I know how it is. I've got a granddaughter that stays with us sometimes. And, you know, don't leave the yard. You know how it is. Today, don't leave the yard. Don't leave the yard. My daddy say, now don't you leave the county, son. <laughs> you stay within 25 miles. You'd be back by Thursday now, all right? And I, I'd get up and leave in the morning, and they wouldn't know where I was, and I'd be gone all day, all over the county, literally. And they just thought nothing about it. Uh, you eat healthy today. We did not eat healthy. You know, watch what you eat, eat healthy. My, my parents were buying me candy cigarettes. Big League Chew, that's what they were doing. Even our playgrounds were designed to kill us when we were kids. You know what I'm talking about? Our swings were two stories high, it seemed like, and the, the sliding boards were designed to give children third-degree burns when they slid down them because they were made out of metal. And our merry-go-rounds were so fast that NASA astronauts were trained on them. They were bad. I mean, you know. So my parents tried to kill me when I was growing up. Now, I'm not trying to say they literally tried to kill us. That is not true. I'm just having a little fun there. But I'll be honest, more than ever, the faith of teens today is in grave danger. And for too many grads, faith is drowned out by forces that overwhelm them, and unfortunately it's getting more prevalent. Why? Because it is true that more are walking away. So it's tougher on them in a different way than it was on us. The moral, the spiritual forces are against them in a greater way. And so, oh my, why they stay journey, we did a national study of young adults who grew up in church. Now, there's a lot being written about why young adults are walking away, and we kind of turned it around and we looked at what keeps kids connected to church. We studied those who were in church as teenagers and were still in a church as adults. And it was amazing what we discovered from that. Now, I'll tell you, as we're starting the school year, there's some critical transition times. And the most critical transitions are the uh, transition from grade 5 to grade 6, from grade 8 to grade 9, and then post-high school, from uh, graduating high school into college. You needed to be aware of that, and I'm going to encourage you on that journey today, whether you're a parent or grandparent or one of those teens today. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Would you stand as we read God's Word this morning? It'll be very quick. It's real simple. It's simply one verse. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard or what we've learned so that we will not 
drift away. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this text, your holy word, Father, speak to our hearts. Take your word and apply it. Take what I've learned and let us illustrate it, God. And may you bless us and draw us closer and help us with our kids and our grandkids. And Father, help those who are teens today to stay devoted to you and not to drift. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Now this text here says, therefore, and Hebrews is a great book of scripture about the uh, how important Christ is and about the fact that he is God in the flesh. His, and you see that also in Colossians chapter 1 and John chapter 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it talks about how great Christ is in this regard. You see words all throughout Hebrews that Jesus is greater than, Jesus is more excellent than. And he's contrasting Jesus with their, his, their heritage, so to speak, because the, the Hebrew people had great things. They had King David, and they had Abraham, they had the temple, they had Solomon, all these things. And he's trying to say, hey, therefore, because of who Christ is and because Christ is greater, we've got to pay close attention. It's like if you went to the beach and you were swimming and somebody's out in the surf and they're struggling and they fear they're not going to make it back and they, they may drown, but, but fortunately for them, a lifeguard begins to make his way out and the, the lifeguard's in a small rowboat and he comes out and they think they're going to be saved. And when the lifeguard gets out there, instead of diving in to save them, he reaches down into the raft and pulls out and holds up a picture and starts screaming at the person who's drowning and says, look at this. This is the picture of a lifeguard. He's the best lifeguard we've ever had on this beach. He can save you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm drowning, I do not want a picture of a lifeguard. I want a lifeguard. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to say that Moses is great, but he was just a picture of our Savior. Uh, David, the temple, these were great things. They're just a picture. Take your focus off of the picture. Take your focus off of your heritage and place them on Jesus, place them on your Savior. Therefore, pay more attention to the things you have learned or the things you have heard, lest you begin to drift away. So three things I want you to take note of this morning. One is this, as students, listen very carefully. Number one is you've got to realize your tendency to drift. Now let me tell you what we discovered when we did the research for Why They Stay that is apropos to this season that we're in right now. We discovered that the time that a child or a teen who grows up in church is most likely to walk away, and this is not a big surprise at this point, is between the ages of 18 and 22. In other words, it's during those college years, not that every student goes to college, but that is when a teenager is most vulnerable. And we're going to even get more specific than that in just a few moments, but just to realize that it is so easy and there's a tendency to drift when one graduates and moves away from home and Sometimes, again, when those transitions from grade 5 to 6 and grades 8 through 9, and I'm not going to dig in there, but there's some reasons for that, too, and there's some things those have in common as you make those transitions to a new school, usually a larger location, usually new peers, and going from being the, the uh, leader of the pack to being kind of the, the youngest person in the room and in the group, so forth. And so it's very challenging for teenagers during those windows. And, and this drift is caused by that current that I was talking about when they're in college or when they go into the world, that current that pulls them away and moves them away from their intended destination, that's what a current does. It takes you sometimes where you don't want to go. 
You get into the ocean, if there's a, a, a riptide, it takes you where you don't want to go. You begin to drift away from the shore. You get into a river, it, it takes you down the river. So there's this tendency to drift, and this tendency is not just, however, among teenagers. This tendency to drift is also in your heart. You also have a tendency to drift. I do also. That's why we've got to be careful not to neglect the things we've heard. We will begin to drift if we don't pay very close attention to what? To our relationship with Christ. And so that's what the warning is here, that to realize that you have this tendency your, your pastor, Joel, who's a godly man, his wife, Sherry, a godly woman, they have a tendency to drift if they don't pay attention to their relationship with God. So it exists within every one of us. There's that vulnerability, however, among those who are less mature, those who are going through these big transitions. And so what are those currents that are pulling them and, and causing them to drift? There's certainly the spiritual forces as Satan himself and his, his demonic forces do anything and everything to, to, to draw your attention away from God. But not only that, but just the culture itself that we live in today. And you and I know that the culture, think about it. I, I'll ask this question. How many of you in your community, I'll ask her, in your schools that over the last decade, the schools and the people in the schools and the students are drawing closer to Christ. How about in your community? Are you drawing closer to Christ or moving further away? How about in our state? How about in our nation? And inevitably, when I ask the question survey, folks, people say, you know, in our schools, we tend to be mo moving away. In our county, in our country, in this state, we, we seem to be moving away from Christ as a culture. And that is pulling against our teens and our children. And then they're pulled away by intellectualism. Not intellectualism in itself, that's not a bad thing, but a false intellectualism that sometimes overwhelms them. And we're in this information age where they're bombarded with so much. And, and, and because of this device right here, your teens and you have access to more information. I mean, there's more right here than was in my university library by far that I have access to. And not only do your teens have access to more information, but more people have access to your teens and to your college students as well as to you. And that is having an impact, the uh, thought, thinking, the, the philosophies, the arguments that are out there. And, and then your own desires pull you away, just your, your flesh, your desire to, for pleasure, your desire to, to, to be comfortable. Those things tend to pull you and cause you to drift and pull you away from Christ. But one of the big ones would be what I call misinterpreted perceptions because as we did our study of students who left the church and we asked them, just, we asked a lot of questions, we asked them straight out, you know, why aren't you still in church? And we took their answers and we categorized those. And I can tell you the top three kind of fell into one bigger category. The number one reason that a student walked away was the word H-U-R-T. They had been hurt. And they did not know how to uh, get through that hurt that they experienced, either in church or hurt by somebody or the hurt by the uh, relationship of parents. Let me tell you just one example of this we found out. We found out that a teen who grew up in church was more likely to be in church at age 35 if mom and dad had a passionate marriage. Man, what a motivation for you to do all you can. You know, we think about vacation Bible school. We think about Sunday school. We think about uh, uh, Bible study for our children. Think about devotions. You know, one of the most important things, men, you can do for the spiritual nurture of your son is this. Love his mother. One of the most important things, moms, you can do for the faith relationship of your sons and daughters is to love their dad. We found where there's passionate marriage, they were more likely to be in church as adults. But 
because they'd experienced hurt, whether because of family hurts or church hurts or many times because of hypocrisy. And I always try to point out that, you know, though everyone in the church may be a hypocrite, that does not change who Jesus is. Jesus either died on the cross or he did not. He can forgive me or he did not. And I don't base my faith on what people do. I base my faith on what Jesus did when he gave his life for me on the cross and when he rose again, when he died that atoning death for me. And so they've been hurt and they can't handle that. So the way we behave in church, the way we treat one another. Now, we cannot keep our children and our teens from being hurt. Don't get me wrong. It's what they were hurt by. It's, it's, it's the things they were hurt by. Things in the church, things in the spiritual realm, things in the, in the church realm, things in that family realm. And we've got to be aware of that. And so it says here in this text, it says you've got to pay even more attention. What happens when you fail to focus, when you fail to be intentional? What happens is you begin to lose your passion for the things of God. In other words, you begin to drift. And you today, whoever you are, you have a tendency to drift. But notice this secondly, not only do you have a tendency to drift, but I want you to notice that there is a danger in drifting. So understand the danger of drifting. Now, I'm going to, uh, from God's word, take this concept because this is a warning. Okay? He's warning us to be careful not to drift. And why? Because if you drift, there's a, a, a danger if you do. Uh, and the next chapter talks about how uh, we cannot neglect our salvation. Uh, we, we want to be careful not to ignore it because what happens if we neglect it? We will begin to drift. And there's all kinds of warnings we find in Hebrews. There's a, a warning and a danger. And I want to share from personal experience because there's a danger for the person who does not know Christ. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, whitewater opportunities in this region of the state. And I took a group of students to Ducktown, Tennessee. And some of you are familiar with that. There's the Ocoee River. It's six miles of whitewater. And if you've ever been on that river, it is about 75% rapids. I mean, it's very little calm to it. You're, I mean, when you put in, I mean, by the time you're from here to the back of the room, you're wet from head to toe. As a matter of fact, this river can be dangerous. You, you cannot get on this river without a professional guide, someone who's trained to do this. And I've taken students many times. And they will put us in the raft on the shore to practice. And they'll show us how to sit. And they will give us instructions and, and, and encourage us not to go out of the raft. But if you do go out of the raft, here's what you do to protect yourself. You put your feet downstream, for example, and act like you're pedaling a bike. Because if you're hitting rocks, you want your feet hitting rocks and not your head hitting the rocks. So put your feet downstream. They give you all those types of instructions. Then they'll put you in the water and they'll put you in with six in that raft with a professional guide to give you guidance all the way down the river. Well, we were rafting one year, some years back, and no one had fallen out of the raft. And we had always had somebody thrown out of the raft on this river every time we had been. But this year, nobody had been thrown out of the raft. And we got to the very last set of rapids, and I determined to give the students a laugh at my expense. And so the raft went over this I guess no higher than this here, a small waterfall, but we went around it horizontally, so we were kind of vertical. So I let myself fall out of the raft, although I was told to stay in for my own safety. But just to get a chuckle from the students, I thought it'd be funny to fall out. So I fell out of the raft, and, and the raft is going on down the stream, and I'm sitting there, just floating. I'm going to float down to where the raft is. And all of a sudden, the professional guide stood up in the raft and started screaming at me. I couldn't hear him. There's a waterfall behind me, 
and the volume, the noise in the waterfall is drowning out the voice of the God who's standing trying to give me instructions. I can't understand what he's saying. What I did not know was I'm not floating downstream. That waterfall is pulling the water back upstream. I'm floating back up towards the waterfall. And so he's screaming at me, and without any notice, I suddenly went under the water. I mean, I was, I was pulled under, and it happened so fast, I did not have time to take a deep breath. I did not have even time to close my eyes. I was under the water with my eyes wide open. I can see it right now. I can see the bubbles and just the, the way it looked and everything. And I'm under the water, and for the first time in my life, I, I thought I was going to die, and I came close, by the way. And, and that I was under the water, and I was struggling, and I, I, I was prayerful, and I, I, it's amazing what I didn't think about. I, I did not think about eternity because that had already been settled for me. It didn't even cross my mind what's going to happen. What I was thinking about was not what was in front of me. I was thinking about what's behind me. I thought about my family. Even I was thinking about those students, and man, a tragedy they're about to experience. That went through my mind. They say, you know, that your life flashes before your eyes. And, and what I learned was it's amazing how much I thought about just within a very short span of time. And so I was underwater for a while, but I, I did finally just pop back up. But I almost died. Why? Because there was an expert in the raft who was telling me what to do, but I could not hear him because I had let myself drift away. Because I know today what he was saying. He was standing in the raft. He was screaming, swim, stupid swim, because he knew all I had to do was take three or four strokes and I'd been to a safe place. I could not hear him. Now today, if you don't know Christ, here's the danger. You think, well, you know, one day when I get to this next stage of life, when I get out of school, when I get married, when I get settled down, when I get a job, all these, when I have children, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with Christ. But here's the problem. You see, while you're with Christ and you're young and God's speaking to your heart, you, you need to trust Christ. He can forgive your sins. You say, I know it, I'm just not ready. And so you just, you just don't respond. But God still speaks, you know, listen, Christ died for your sins. And if you will trust him, he can forgive you. And you're thinking, well, I'm going to do that at some point during my life. But God continues to speak and says, if you will trust Christ, he will forgive you and, and give you new life. And you think, well, I'm going to get to the, some point in my life, and you get farther away. But God continues to speak, and he says, and he's still speaking, but you cannot hear his voice because you've drifted away. Now, let me say to you this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, here's the warning. You hear the evangelist say, you know, you may not live till you get home today. And yeah, that's true. People, I'll tell you stories of people who died on the way home from church. It happens. That's not likely to happen. The problem is not that you're going to die before you get home today. All that could happen. The problem is this. You will live 40, 60 more years, but never hear God's voice as clearly as you do today. You see, when you drift, you cannot hear his voice as clearly as you did once before. And I'm calling on you, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, today is that day. When you understand that Christ died for your sins, you believe by faith you weren't there, and that he rose again. Why? Because he was God's son. This satisfied God's justice when he gave his life on the cross. And by faith you seek forgiveness that comes only through Christ, and trust him and him alone for your salvation. But don't drift. Don't take any more time. I want you this morning to trust Christ as your Savior. But I'll say this also. For the believer, it's the same thing. It's not that you would lose your salvation. It's that you would not pay attention, and you would get further and further and further from Christ. And the danger is that you've got some important decision to make in your life, and then you want to hear a word from God. But the further away you are, the less you can hear his voice. 
and I never want to be in a place in my life where God can't speak to me. I want to be so close to Christ when I have a, a crisis situation in my life or decision to make that God can simply whisper in my ear the words that I need. So we can be careful that we do not drift. There's a danger in drifting in that we can no longer hear God's voice. So you have a tendency to drift, understand the danger of drifting, and finally recognize how to avoid drifting. Let's go back to the text. We must therefore, watch this, pay even more attention. Students, more than ever, you've got to pay even more attention than you ever have before. If you just graduated high school, you've got to pay more attention than you ever have before. If you're an adult today and, and you've drifted, you've got to pay even more attention than you ever have before. Pay more attention to the things you have heard or learned so that you will not drift away. You've got to pay very close attention to your relationship with God. It is so easy to neglect it and to begin to drift away. Now, I want to share with you this one thing. And I was in a meeting with Joel back in the spring months, and I was sharing this data with him just to show you the most critical window in the faith journey of a child who grows up in a church it is this it is the six months following high school graduation and we are in that window right now let me show you how huge this is we found that a student who graduated high school and was still actively involved in church at thanksgiving was 138 percent more likely to be in church at age 35 than one who had waffled in their faith during that season of their life it's a critical window and the reason I say that now is some of you have children and grandchildren or you know members of this church who are about to go off to college. And I want to say to you, our ministry and our job with them is not done. We've got to do anything and everything we can to encourage them to make that uh, connection on the other side. But you've got to remember, they've never, many of them have never had to look for a church. They just came with mom and dad. We've got to teach them how to find a church and why it's important and keep them accountable. And you may say, Steve, once they go off, there's nothing I can do about it. But I'm going to give you parents one little quick parenting tip, although this is not a parenting message. Are you ready? I always tell my girls this. As long as I pay, I get a say. <laughs> and guess what my girls did? In college, they went to church. Even the daughter who drifted, and she went to church. As long as she lived with me, she was in church. I had a parent tell me recently, well, I, just since my son got his car, we just can't get him to go to church. And I thought, well, well where did your son get his car? They said, we bought it for him. I said, well, that's funny. My cars go to church on Sunday. <laughs> if I give my daughters a, a car, the car, bring the car to church with you. Your car must be at church. And if the car's not at church, you can't have the car. Okay? As long as I pay, I get a say. And so you still have leverage over your child now when my daughters went to college they didn't have 50 rules they didn't have 20 rules no it got down to just one or two or three rules one or two or three things and one was you've got to continue in weekly worship that was my responsibility i do want to tell you this by the way my daughter who had drifted since i did this project about six years ago can i tell you what she's doing today she's teaching sunday school it's been totally turned around and this was a big part of that i don't have time to tell that whole story but i'm telling you if your child has drifted and my, my daughter's into her 30s now. If your child has drifted, God can still, again, by his mighty power, reach them. There's no guarantees. But I'm just saying, don't give up. There's still a possibility. I want to give a word to the church as a whole and to you as parents about your responsibility during this time. It is so important that you don't dial back in the next two or three months for those who graduated high school. You dial it up in the next two or three months in your ministry to them. 
You dial it up as a parent, not in hounding them, but in keeping them accountable for, again, the things that they have learned and helping them to pay attention to those things. Three keys to paying more attention. How, how do you build a faith bridge that keeps you above the current and from drifting away? Three quick things. Number one is this. You recognize where you are in the current. And if you're just now going to college, recognize where you are. Recognize the danger. If you're a student now going into the sixth grade, if you're going into ninth grade, this is a vulnerable time for you. Know where you are in that current. If you are a parent, know where your children are. If you're a grandparent, if you're a Sunday school connect group leader, know where your students are in the current. Those are vulnerable times for recognize where you are and recognize for all of us, no matter where we are, if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, you still have a tendency to drift. So know where you are. Secondly is this, personal Bible reading. There was a book called The Shape of Faith to Come, and they studied uh, Christians and asking them about their faith and how vibrant their faith was, and it was interesting. They found if a believer was doing this one thing, without exception, they were moving forward in their faith. They were progressing. They were not drifting. If they were doing this very one thing, wow, we need to know what that was. You know what they discovered? 100% of the time, if a person was reading Scripture daily, they were progressing in their faith. Personal Bible reading keeps you from drifting. doesn't mean you can't miss a day. It's not a, a rule. It's a tool that strengthens you and keeps you close and keeps you stronger. So daily Bible reading, we need to model that as parents. We need to teach that as, as church leaders and pastors and students. It's so important for you, but moms and dads, likewise for you, personal Bible reading. And then thirdly, check your relationships. You see, you choose... Remember, I got in the boat with those folks, and I chose to slip out, but I chose who I got in the raft with. And you choose who you get in the raft with. You know, if you want to make better grades, hang around students who make good grades. If you want to manage your money better, hang around people who manage their money well. If you want to get in shape, hang around people who like to exercise and get in shape. And if you want to stay close to Christ, connect yourself to people who are godly, people who are growing in their faith. You see, Satan's design is to get you focused on your disappointments. So we saw that when I told you that most students walk away because of hurt. God's desire is to get you focused on your divine appointment. Satan's design is to influence you to walk away. God's desire is that you will walk with Christ. Satan's design is to use every negative circumstance to draw you away. God's desire is that every circumstance, good or bad, will draw you closer. Satan is confident that he can lead you to stray, but the sacrifice and love of Christ should compel you always to stay. But God, let me tell you, in every circumstance will be faithful. And I'm urging you to trust him. And today I'm calling on you to a renewed commitment to follow him, to serve him, to be faithful and committed. The bottom line is not to drift. Now I'm asking our music team to make their way up here. Now, I asked you this morning, have you drifted? I'm talking to that person, first of all, who is a believer. Are you as close to Christ as you once were? If you say, you know, I remember when I was more committed. I remember back when I used to serve. I remember when I loved him more. If you remember when, that's because you've drifted. You should be, you should be growing closer to Christ, more passionate for Christ as the years go by. But it's easy for us at any life stage to drift. Have you drifted? Most importantly, I'd shared with you before that it's so easy if you don't know Christ to think, I'll call upon him another day. 
But the further away you get, the less you hear his voice. If you hear his voice today, would you do me something here right now? Would you just in your very own heart say, God, I do know that you love me. And I believe that Christ died for my sins. You see, you admit that you're a sinner. And I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. You believe in your heart and you confess it. You say, Lord, today, unashamedly, I receive you. I receive your forgiveness. And I'm trusting you as Lord and Savior. And you confess that with your mouth. You believe it in your heart. And I'm inviting you to use that first step of confession. In a moment, we'll have pastors standing down here to come and say, today, I'm coming to trust Christ. We're going to walk with you through what that means and help you to grow in your faith. Would you do me a favor and just stand right now? And as you stand, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. Thank you, Steve, for that amazing message this morning about getting kids and teens over that faith barrier, that faith bridge. And the truth is, just as Steve has just mentioned, there's a tendency for us to drift. Hey, it starts with me and you. If you're a parent watching this today, it starts with you. The Lord has called us to kingdom parenting. So we have to make sure that we are in tune with the Lord as He has called us to parent our children. It starts with us. What an excellent reminder. It encourages me as a parent this morning as I hope it encourages you as well. Hey, maybe, maybe you're watching this morning and you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, we have to get that right first. Maybe you are a parent and you feel like you're continually failing and it's barrier after barrier. And maybe the problem today is that you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you don't get that right first, then you're just treading against the current. So we have to make sure that that aspect of our lives is taken care of first. So it's really as simple as A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross, that he rose again on the third day, and he ascended into heaven where he remains at this very moment. And C, you've got to commit your life to him. Hey, it's that simple. You want to change your family? You want to raise kids who are passionate about the kingdom of Christ? Hey, it's time to step up. Let's make that decision today. If you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, I'm going to say a prayer. It's not the words that you say, but it's the intent of your heart. So just repeat after me or pray something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Save me. Lord, I give my life to you. Jesus name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, then welcome to the family. Get ready because God's got some amazing things planned for your life. But we don't want you to do this alone. We want to resource you. We want to put some things in your hand uh, that will help you as you begin your faith journey uh, today. So if you would, we've just dropped a link in the chat box. If you'd click on that link and just give us a few pieces of information, we're not going to bother you, but we do want to send you some things uh, just to equip you in your new faith journey. So make sure you click on that link right now. Don't wait. Just click it right this minute. Let us know you put your faith and trust in Jesus today. Well, hey, it has been an incredible Sunday. Uh, we are so excited about next week. Uh, we'll have Pastor Joel with us next week, uh, joining us as he begins a brand new sermon series. We cannot wait for that. And uh, so church, we pray that you would have an excellent week. We'll see you again next week right here at Pivon Online. You guys take care. We'll see you next week. 
We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>